Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor and Chief Critic, joined as always by our Editor-at-Large, Ann Thompson in Los Angeles. And, and most of the time when we talk about award season developments, we're following a kind of pattern. You know, these nominations for this ceremony that we deal with every year just came out. Here's the short list for this section, all those kinds of things. So we, we kind of know those rhythms. So it's always exciting when something breaks through the noise and becomes a story kind of outside of that pattern. So I was, I was fascinated by this kind of mini scandal of sorts that, that, that kind of indirectly actually involved us and a lot of people we know with uh, the Critics' Choice Awards and a partnership they formed with Entertainment Weekly that caused a bunch of members of, of one of the organizations involved in it to resign. You want to uh, lay out yeah, the for us what happened? Yeah, who seemed to have been the most upset by it were more on the TV side, which I'm not sure I understand, but I, then I figured it out. They have, uh, Michael Schneider wrote a star story for us, and he resigned in a huff, and, and, and I, was, I was sort of, I think what it is, well, first of all, Let's explain what happened, though, just to be clear. the Entertainment Weekly became on as the sponsor, the overriding sponsor of the Critics' Choice Awards, and they were going to be getting exclusive first dibs on the news of, 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 of the nominations and so forth. And we... Um, Every, you know, I, I, a, couple, a couple of us emailed each other back and forth, and we were not happy about this. I mean, because we're all in, I mean, the point of this organization is that we're all TV, online, um, radio uh, critics and, and, and writers and, and editors, and, and we're, we're all, uh, you know, covering the, these, these things. You know, so especially the, the, the awards people are also, you know, very involved in this. So, so it was very... Um, but this is a sort of scruffy, self-made organization that throws this Critics' Choice Awards, which has an undue impact, in a way, given how small and scruffy the organization is. But and the, so the I've become familiar is, with them. But it's, it, be- it's notable, though, because even if it is kind of this scrappy DIY thing... Those, the Critics' Choice Awards are a pretty big production. That's so. the point. And so you have these people. This guy, Joey Berlin, runs the whole thing. And there's a group of people who run it with him. And and they they know how to produce a TV show. That's something that they know how to do. And so they've grown this thing organically over the years. And, and it has a remarkable... It's about 200 people who, are, uh, who were uh, uh, members of this thing. Uh, around around the country, and it actually uh, predicts the Oscars pretty accurately, <laughs> and 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 they have lots of stupid categories too, you know, so that you have Jennifer Lawrence going up and accepting for best action film for Hunger Games or whatever, you know, um, as well as best actress for for uh, whatever film that was that year, um, probably um, Silver Linings Playbook, uh, but you know she's. She's so, so you you get the stars to show up, but then they do these crazy things like in the middle of the show, not giving the award to John Williams, you know, for composing um, this latest Steven Spielberg movie. And, and he's there. He's shown up. He's sitting at the Lincoln table. I think it was Lincoln. And Sally Field was sitting there and they didn't. And, they, and Sally Field was furious. And Ka- Kathleen Kennedy, the producer, they were all furious because. 
John Williams didn't get to go up and and pick up the the, the award, you know. So so they 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 leave out the documentary award, or they leave this and the other thing out. So so basically, uh, I was sitting with um, uh, Gu- Davis Guggenheim, and and he won for something, and and then he didn't get to go up and get his prize. So well, Crimea River, that can't be the biggest problem with this ceremony. I mean, it sounds but more it's, like it's a, it's 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 a, it's a it's a sign of 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 how it's not like one of these big, you know, established. It's a small, you know, self-run kind of thing. And so you have a new award show in New York for the documentaries that are going on Thursday night. And, and uh, you know, finding out, you know, it's, it's and they've moved the whole thing in, into December. And it's going to be before everybody gets a chance to see all the movies. I understand you guys at the uh, New York Film Critics are going to see fences in time after all. I think we'll probably see everything in time. Here's the thing about this whole situation with the this you know critics choice uh, EW partnership being somehow controversial to me it's just one of a gazillion different things I joined this year but I'm also a member of the online film critics society I'm a member of Fipresci and the New York film critics circle where I'm vice chair this year and, and I think with, with New York film critics circle this is an organization that goes back to the 1930s and has bylaws and is governed in a very specific way where something like that EW partnership would never in a million years happen, at least the way that it's set up right now. And so I'm not... Well, they're, I'm, they're trying to get a television show. Yeah, but hang on, thing. hang on. But what, I, what, I'm saying, what I'm saying here is, I, I, to me, it's, it's not surprising that this is not a professionally run organization or, or an organization that doesn't have ethical standards because there's a gazillion of them. This one happens to have this TV deal that's... A, that's very widely seen and, and can make money and for a lot of people watching these things they don't care if there are ethical standards in play or not so just to be associated with this thing I don't feel like that's necessarily an endorsement of what they're doing I mean I, I'm a member of a lot of organizations because of perks that are involved because I do think that if you're a, a, a the more vo- you can vote during award season to advocate yeah, for I like voting films, too and there's I'm, value I'm staying in, in for the same reason yeah, the so, only reason I'm staying in is that I like voting for the right. awards and having a voice in that conversation but it's, it doesn't mean that it's an endorsement of this thing I, I I respect what the broadcast people are doing I also feel like for them for the broadcast critics I mean this is a very different kind of community of people and they've been maligned or at least uh not as valued by this organization. They tried to do a TV version of it as a ceremony, and they shelved it. So to me, it seems like an opportunity. They didn't shelve for, it. They put it they, together well, with the other one. Consolidated. So it, now they're so all in one boat. Um, but also the the EW exclusive thing. That's where I think they went over the line. It's dumb. I don't think having it's, a a sponsorship is such a terrible thing. No, not at all. It's just it's that a, they've the now so that sponsorship goes with certain exclusivity. Yeah. which I think is not fair yeah. to the people. Who any J school, yeah. Any J school kid will tell you that that's a conflict. And it's, it's Agreed. Just, it's, it just seems like one of those things where. But it's, it's going on more and more and more right. these days. But but I mean those it, lines are blurred more what, than ever. Sure, but at what point in 
sometime this season are we going to start talking about the uh, for you know the Hollywood foreign press and, and mm-hmm. the different ways that they're compromised or making well, deals? Well, they've cleaned up their act considerably over the years since I first started covering them. And and you know the thing with them is just to recognize who they are and how they think and and not give it too much credence. You know, in terms of of serious film critics. I, I mean, they, they they some of them are but many of them aren't, you know, it's a group of, of only like 80 people (laughs) right? who are wined and dined to a fairly well all year long by the Hollywood studios. So that's who they are. That's what we, you know, and we know that. Um, So you could shrug it off in some ways, but none of those members are interested in boycotting anything because they just kind of dig the perks and they're rolling with it. They love it. Are you kidding me? Um, They, they love it dearly. And they, they also lack perspective, many of them on, on how, how much, um, I think I think many of them believe that that I mean I get wined and dined. Don't get me wrong. I recognize exactly what they are dealing with. It's just not as much. <laughs> right. The, well, we're the degrees all, are relative. Yeah, it's like we're all compromising different kinds of ways. Did you know? I just found this out the other day that uh, agents who are in the Academy cannot vote on on the Oscars, but publicists can. I found oh, that there's an to entire be, publicist branch. I mean, yeah, but pu- publicists are and allowed they to. they are very fundamentally part of the whole process, right. but no agents are allowed to vote. Yeah, I mean, I found that to be kind of peculiar in some ways. Not at all, because um, it's, it's... Who's more compromised? No. The, 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 the agents are buying and selling and making deals. And what's interesting about that is that the, the producers get to vote. Um, the executives get to vote. The people who are considered to be part of the fabric of the film industry and the publicists are considered part of the fabric of the film industry in terms of the whole process of marketing and and doing what they do it's it's part and parcel of what everybody's in the business to do sell movies make movies and sell movies so moving on there's another uh award story from an organization that's certainly not dealing with similar kinds of problems but it's notable that that these uh nominations for the cinema cinema awards came out right before this new documentary critics choice ceremony that's taking place actually as as we're recording because uh, the cinema awards have been around much longer and are very well respected and i think have actually done a lot of good for widening the conversation at this time of year for uh to just encompass more nonfiction cinema wouldn't you say they're very respected and and one of the reasons they're respected is because they're voted on by um you know this guy aj schnack basically um who's a very good documentary filmmaker um ha, you know started it with with and got a group of people together and they, and really they reached an out to the entire documentary community. Yeah, you I could mean, say that the IDAs are also very yeah, um, similar. I- impact, you know, have a great deal of impact and and uh and, and in a similar way. And, and 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 the reason why these these things are so important, and I actually think that the um critics choice voting that I did participate in and so did you on the docs. Um, I want um, there to be some curation because there's so many of them and, and I, I want the worthy ones to, to get some notice. And, and so here we go. We have camera person, which I have Great. been supporting so cool. all along. Yeah. 
Fire at Sea. Again, these are both. I finally films. saw that, by the way. I finally saw Great Fire Great artistry. Yeah. Do you what, agree? What, yeah, I mean, what, what a cool kind of innovative approach. I mean, cool is, is a strange word to, to use for a movie about the uh, uh, migrant crisis. It is but cool. I mean, it's, it's unexpected it, and it's, it's, exactly. it's gorgeous. You, you and... never know where it's going to go, and the footage they got is astounding, but the contrast between this sort of tranquil. I, Italian island and the duress of these people who, who wash ashore essentially uh, is, is quite striking the way that it comes across. And the then, thing that, to, you know, to understand about how he made it though, it, it, this guy Gianfranco Rossi is very much, when I met him, I finally went, oh, I get it now. Why the movie has that strange shape, that organic feel to it. It's, it's because he just went around and looked around with his camera and looked right. for the stories and found them and created this thing pretty much by himself. He's a cinematographer. And well, he, that makes he, sense. he does, it's really like he's a one man band. And, and obviously, I mean, put himself in, in the line of fire in terms he of He sure did. He and he capturing. went into the hold of that horrible boat. Yeah. He I mean, it's, it, it. it's so cool to see the first three films listed in the, the feature film nominee list for cinema awards are camera person and a hugely innovative kind of collage-like diary film from a documentary cinematographer, Fire at Sea, and I Am Not Your Negro, which is Raoul Peck's film about all these different civil rights leaders that almost feels like a, it's got this French new wavy quality to the way that it's edited it's together. It's so well made. It's so sophisticated. Yeah, it's just all, the, all of that and is it's just... dealing with a lot of the same things. It's some of the, There's a little overlap with 13th, the, the Ava DuVernay, which is not in the feature film nominees list, um, but it wasn't eligible. Apparently, um, yeah, which is uh, unfortunate for the so that for for the dates that it was covering were different. The other one that isn't eligible was Ivory uh, Game. So yeah. just so you know, very, very but anyway, um, but it does cover a lot of the same uh, material and it, but from in a very different way. Um, yeah. More, and more made in America, right? Which, which another unorthodox. Touting. I mean, that, that one we've been saying it's it, it's definitely very much in in the race, but it's it's notable that this is a a huge episodic achievement that stands out from a more traditional feature length. And oh, it's being so. rewarded. And, um, and then and our then favorite. Wiener, <laughs> your favorite and mine. Now, Wiener, uh, um, unbelievable that I'm watching late night television and uh, most topical movie of the year. going to town. I mean, Wiener. It's amazing. It's he's amazing. in the discussion of the election now. I, I know. And, and, and the thing about that is that the, if you go back and look at this movie, I've seen it a couple of times. The, the narrative grows more sophisticated the more that we learn about things. For example, after their marriage officially ended, you, could, you, you were seeing essentially that collapse in, process, totally. in progress. You I know. couldn't believe she stayed with him. Yeah, A lot of it, people couldn't believe it, she stayed and with you him. See, you see the breadcrumbs of, of how the Clinton campaign is basically starting to have a conversation with Huma about how to deal with this situation. And now we're feeling the fallout of what they were you know, really worried about. I mean, it, it's, it, it enhances the tragedy, but it also shows you just how cutthroat this uh, industry is. It, well, what the it idea means. that they would be sharing a computer. I mean, I mean let's be honest. How stupid was that? I mean, How stupid was that? I think she shouldn't here, be on okay. his computer. This is, a, this is an interesting tangent. I'm sure you could go back to Wiener and scrutinize some of the details. There's a great scene where Wiener does this really moronic, combative interview where he tries to defend himself. And then later you see him watching it on his like their home computer, basically, and crack up. And she's rolling her eyes and saying, why are you laughing at this? It's not funny. 
So I don't know. Was that the computer? People could go and, and, and look at that. Right, see what the deal right, is. right. But, it, but right. the thing is, everybody everybody's blind to these things. You have these different devices and they're paired with this and that and it's floating through the cloud. You know, that scene in Creed where uh, uh, the kid says, you know, oh, the, the photo's in the cloud and, and Stallone looks up. I mean, it's like people don't always know what technology is doing with the invisible data. And I think we're seeing this play out in real time with this whole email stuff. I mean, it's By the way, it's speaking of um, technology and stuff, um, the, uh, I caught up with Filmstruck finally. I, I, I appear to have a, a, a membership to Filmstruck. And, Join the club. And, <laughs> and I went in there and, and, you know, did that thing that you do where you go, okay, this is what they do have. What do they not have? You know, and I found out which John Ford Westerns are not on there and which Orson Welles movies are not on there and which knowing that all the Buster Keaton movies are over at uh, Cohen Media. So they have all the Chaplin on this thing. Yeah. But it's so much fun to just browse through and they have the iconic you know masters where you can you know the whole criterion collection is in there all the amazing things they've done on criterion you know so you've got you know uh, this extraordinary library i mean it's it is big it doesn't have everything of course but um it isn't it is an idea that whose time has come and now we don't have to think about you know like i'm throwing away my my old, you know, video tapes, you know, my cassettes. What are those? What now are I those? can throw away my, I can throw away my DVD collection too. I like know? to keep the ones, a couple of them on the shelf. I mean, it's almost like I'm not uh, doing it. I'm saying thing. it could be done. Yeah, you know? no, it abs- absolutely. Because streaming is now everything, and and you know, now that I've got rid of TiVo and I don't, and I use my smart TV the way it's supposed to be used, you stop. You, you realize you don't have to record on a season pass. It's just all there. It, it happened that when Filmstruck officially launched on Tuesday, which is when I teach a film criticism class at NYU, and we were reading a, a book by this scholar, Girish Shambu, called The New Cinephilia that came out last year. And it's this great idealistic manifesto of sorts that, that basically is, is saying that this is not the end of cinema or that film culture is in decline, as, as Susan Sontag said in the 90s. She wrote an essay called The Decay of Cinema that was all about that, but rather that th- we have a more enhanced film culture because people can watch m- more movies, older movies, engage with them, socialize about them digitally, connect with people who have similar interests, and basically, by word of mouth, develop more interest around all kinds of different movies. And, and Filmstruck is a nice reflection of how cinephilia is basically migrating into the digital age. So. Well, they, they, they worked it out with Turner Classic Movies and what's going to be really uh, significant for them going forward, because that's sort of what I was looking at, is, you, you know, if you're on um, Amazon Prime, you realize that there's a small cache of films that are really accessible to you right away that, you know, you, you know they, the older films, the, the classics, the public domain, the ones that are no longer being, uh, you know, turning over money for the studios, the ones that have passed their window expiration date, or, you know, these are the things that you can see. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see what rights they can grab. You know, that's really, it's, it's, it's more of a, a land grab now. And, you know, in terms of like, I, I still don't understand why the studios, I mean, Warner's has done it with their Warner archive, but I don't understand why more of the studios don't dig deep into their own uh, IP and just bring all that 
stuff, bring, bring all those, those old libraries to life for people, you know, in a way that doesn't have to do with putting out DVDs and, and, and putting them out in theaters. So change is in the air, absolutely. Although one thing that hasn't changed is that Mel Gibson is still out there and making movies. So let's let's switch to, well, to that topic. Well, there was a gap, uh, a significant gap ten in years. terms of him directing. It's been about 10 years since Apocalypto. Hacksaw right. Ridge is opening this week. Let's dig into it. I finally got around to seeing it this week. Mel's been making the rounds with Andrew Garfield and company. Mel and his beard. Yeah, exactly. The, the beard can, can do a campaign on its own. If you'd split it up in two different coasts. You could go out on the road with David uh, Letterman. <laughs> God, you can have a beard off. But here's the thing about this this movie. I actually, I'm setting aside ethical issues with Mel Gibson or, or what that in kind of endorsement represents, um, I love Apocalypto because it's just so nutso and it's just this wild action movie. I thought it was the best piece of filmmaking he's done. What I What I don't like about... Hacksaw Ridge is, is the same problem I had with Passion of the Christ, which is that it's so pro-faith that the, the message mongering weighs down some of the stronger aspects of the filmmaking. This, this bugged me. I found that this movie was, was very, was very In much... In what way is it so much pro-faith? So, I really didn't get pro-faith out of absolutely, it. Absolutely. Because this is a movie a in which... He's He's this pacifist who, who believes so strongly... In, in, in what he's doing. His convictions are what allow him to, to expose himself to the battlefield without a gun. And then there's this magnificent shot of him towards the end of the movie where, he, where he's being carried down from the mountain, uh, kind of drenched in, in blood. You know, and it's just, it just felt to me very much like it was sort of a, a celebration of, of this guy's convictions in a way that was very distracting from what felt like an otherwise brutal war movie there's something about the idealism it's based on there, a true story I'm sure the so story is real this guy actually did stand his ground uh, you know uh, on the top of this hideous cliff right. that they all had to go up and down you know in order to fight this battle so the the, the horrifying aspect of this is that you know you know you have your images of d-day or something where they're all getting off the boats and then they're getting mowed down well this is climbing a cliff getting to the edge of it and getting and getting mowed down yeah the battle so, scenes so, are amazing they, they go on a little bit the first one goes on certainly longer than i than i would have liked it started to get tedious after a while but in terms of just how well it's staged that, that's, that's the best part of the movie it takes yeah, a while to so get you have there to get through you have to get through the whole setup where you're but i was very taken with uh, with andrew garfield and his performance as this sort of sweet lanky naive young guy he's good. who's, who's it, wooing the girl and well, dealing and, with his terrible you know dominating dad and yeah and, and you, it's all shot in, in australia or yeah, New Zealand yeah. Or but something. you have so to, you've got the you've got the aussie but you, you have know. to give him credit for the southern accent. I mean, that's you bottom, bottom line. In, yeah, bottom no, line. he's a weaving in Rachel Griffiths, just, just so you know. Okay, play his parents. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. I mean, the, the, Hugo Weaving in particular is, is, is really strong because in the movie, when it starts, it almost looks like he's sort of the star of the show and then he ages over the course of a couple of scenes. And it, it's a pretty consistent performance for him. So, yeah, the two of them really share screen time together quite well. Yeah. But, um, but, I, but I, I think, I mean, it's a movie that, that I'm sure some people will be satisfied with. It's, it's not as, 
exciting as a Saving Private Ryan in certain kinds of ways. I mean, like you said, it it takes a yeah, long time to build up. it's not as good as Saving Private yeah. Ryan. That's one of the great war movies yeah. of all time. Well, but people tend to com- make these comparisons when you have these brutal war scenes because the, the combat scenes are, are super gory, right? I mean, that's part of part of the what this movie is trying to do is really well, put you there. Well, that's what Mel does. Mel likes that. You know, he, he takes the nail and, and bangs it into the foot of Jesus with spurting right. blood. I mean, yeah. that's what he does. That's what this movie is, too. I you mean, know, it's, uh, so he's going to put these people through their paces, and, and, and they all did well. I mean, I, I actually thought that the, the, you know, even Vince Vaughn as yeah. the sergeant or, or uh, um, another, another Aussie is, is Sam Worthington of Avatar fame, you know, who's growing up into a really, you know, he's a really good actor. So um, I, thought, I, thought it was, I thought it was all very good. I, I mean, I, I had no problem with it. So Vince Vaughn, you really thought he was, I thought he was super wooden, like he was trying to do, uh, you know, something out of a Kubrick from, movie. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there, there are a lot of kind of strange moments in this movie where I'm sort of like, I kind of get what you're going for and it's not totally there, but it, it's not, it doesn't, it works. It works for what, what it's trying to do. It's just not the kind of thing that I get super excited about. You I'm have curious been, to see if it does any business. Yeah, that, and if it's it does an interesting business, question. whether that leads to any awards attention. And I have to, you know, I wrote a piece about this. Whatever, you know, progress Mel is making in terms of getting back into the industry's good graces, it does, this movie is, it, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's 68 on Metacritic, which is just a sign, you know, that it's gotten a certain level of good reviews but it hasn't gotten the level of rave reviews that you need you just need to be really well you know loved and by everyone and 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 for and you know unfortunately for him whatever it was that he revealed on that drunken day 10 years ago made a lot of people turn off on him and they're not going to come back yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm pretty close to being one of them, except that I do feel like I need to see these movies, and I, I, I find him to be an interesting filmmaker with the right kind of material. I just feel like this movie's maybe a little too contained, a little too safe for the most part, for two-thirds of the time, and maybe other people might feel something. It's, I mean, it's a long movie, so getting to that really grisly, dramatic climax it requires a certain kind of investment and you got to wonder i mean it's not quite american sniper in that respect no it won't be as big a hit as that but i wonder if it won't appeal to the same uh audience right basically right the heartland is is, is, i think so i think so but but the way that you're positioning it's sort of it's essential that this movie does pretty well to even be an awards player at all well, I actually think yes, I think that's true, and I think if it dies at the at the box office, and you know that'll be that. But if if it does well, I could see Andrew Garfield getting into the conversation. You don't seem to feel as strongly as I do that he gives a good performance. No, I think he's solid. I I, I don't think he has any big moments that really blew me away. There there are some sweet moments where where he kind of you know is trying to win the girl over and then what about the of... the part where he's dragging all these people off the cliff? Yeah, but I mean to me that's just a lot of grunting and and I I just no, I didn't feel, I didn't no, feel like he's this... terrified. He's 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 d- dogged. He's 
freaking out and some, you know, there's yeah, all this sorts of stuff going on. This kind of reminds me of last year when we were arguing about Leonardo DiCaprio and whether or not the Revenant performance was actually that good or if it just like he throwing got yourself there. He got he there. pretty well, Yeah, that's true, he? but that was Leo. He's, he's, you know, right I mean, about Leo. Le- Leo's been around a while. Andrew Garfield's still kind of a new kid on the block. Oh, Although, I, you know, here I'll give you an interesting contrast about the best actor situation. I, I moderated something for SAG this week after Captain Fantastic with Viggo Mortensen. Now, there's a guy who people really love, right? I mean, he's, he's been at it for a while, and he's so That's versatile. Other, you're, no, you're right, and he gave a great performance in that movie, and they're pushing it. They're trying to get us to, to say that Viggo Mortensen is in the best actor race, or he should be. He should be. I, I, they win. But, <laughs> but, he, but, he, but, but it, that's another case. of a, Even though that movie did okay uh, at the Art House box office, it, 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 are they going to see it? That's the question. And the same is true of Hacksaw Ridge. Let's put it another way. If enough people hate Mel Gibson so much that they're not going to see the movie, then they won't vote for it and nothing will come of it. And that's part of why I'm saying it's not going to happen. Right. Well, it's notable that another movie opening this weekend is uh, probably a much easier sit for a lot of people, which is Loving. We've talked about it before. I mean, you could take a wider audience to that. Even the squeamish types aren't going to have a problem with this sweet little two-hander. It's also a period piece about a specific moment in American history. has more relevance. And it's by Jeff Nichols, who right. is one of our best young up-and-coming directors, and the director of Mud, the director of Take Shelter, and I really and, and Midnight Special, which all these are all movies that I really admired, and this one is even better, and the two actors are superb, um, and he cast Australian Joel Edgerton and Irish actress Ruth Nega, who happens to be biracial, and so she's playing his wife, and they are in the South, and they are not being tolerated as a biracial couple, and it, their case goes all the way to the Supreme Court. I think it's a great movie. Uh, I think it's a movie about marriage and about intimacy and about the right to to have a certain kind of freedom in this country that they fought hard for and won with the Supreme Court. Um, but they didn't turn it into uh, a courtroom drama. And I think that's what Nichols deserves a great deal of credit yeah, for. Yeah, totally, totally. And, and as, as it should be. I mean, Ruth Nega is this movie. I, I would disagree that it's, it's better than Take Shelter. I think that's, that's probably his best movie to date still. But maybe we can get into that one to, after this movie picks up steam and after we get through this election happening next week, which... No, but you and I have said that we worry that this is a movie that's too quiet, and um, I'm, I'm going to assume that in some ways it is, um, although it did play well. It did play no, it's, well it's for quiet. It's quiet, but it's, it's satisfyingly quiet. I mean, I, I haven't talked to anybody who is sort of, you know, frustrated that there weren't big moments in this movie. They're just sort of... There are some people who are sort of, you know puzzled by it or just sort of like huh, well, that'll right, probably it. give it a, a cap in terms of how well it will do but sure. i'm assuming that the actors branch sag especially you know at the beginning and and uh you know that they will all come through for this and and uh, ruth nega seems to be very much in the 
in the race for best actress, which as we've said before is very competitive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That race is just going to keep going. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks and next week we'll talk more about all that stuff because the AFI Fest will be going on and we'll have a ton of different movies to dig through there, some of which we've seen, we're not allowed to talk about yet, so finally we'll be able to lift the curtain on that and uh we might actually know who the next president of the United States is. Ah! So. <laughs> Supposedly, that's happening on Tuesday. I keep reading the New York Times. <laughs> Who even cares about Oscar season? Come on. Oh, my God. Yeah. Very, we'll very, very Where are you? I hope you find a fun place to watch the, the return. Where are you going to watch? I don't know yet. You know, there there, there are some, some big options, some cool live things that I might go to, or I might just, you know, cozy up with a drink in front of the TV and hope the world doesn't fall apart. We'll see. I know. I, I have a group of friends who are all very liberal, very uh, news wonky, um, you know, who love to sort of analyze everything and yell at the screen. And, and we're, we're there will be drinking involved. Definitely. Well, I hope you're um, still standing when we record next week. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Anne. I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.